The first reading this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah. The prophet speaks strongly against those who have ruled poorly over God's people. He foresees the coming of a righteous king who will reign wisely and establish justice. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Jesus with criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, 
let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. For there was an inscription over him that said, that read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked the first, saying, Do do you not fear God, since you are under the same sense of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord Jesus, remember us when you come into your kingdom. kingdom. Amen. Be seated. I don't usually in public ask for a favor, but I'm going to today. And I'm sincere in asking, and I really, really do mean it. But let me tell you what I'm asking before one of you comes up and honors my request. I would like for someone here today in this congregation to come up here and slap me in the face. Sean just did this at Advent Live and his mother warned him before he did to not be too hard and he slapped me in the face just right. (laughs) Not too hard, but you could hear it and knew it was a slap. Thank you, Claudia. (laughs) Thank you. Our gospel for today startles me as much as a slap in the face. We usually hear this in other Gospels like it. We call them the Passion Gospels on Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday or on Good Friday. And we have preparation for that leading up to it, and we're ready. We know what's coming. But today, it slaps us in the face, or it slaps me in the face. It's stark. It's startling. In fact, it takes on some different meaning. No, it's never different. It's always the same, but what we derive from it changes. Some different meaning for me in this time of year. All throughout his ministry, people expected a different kind of Messiah than that which Jesus was. They expected a military king like King David who would go out with his armies and defeat the enemies and take on the spoils from them and their lands. And Israel, the people of God, their lands and wealth would increase. And it was wonderful. They wanted a king like David. And they remembered that great king. It was a glorious time in their history. But here, Jesus is stripped of his clothes and crucified between two very bad men, as Dan said on Wednesday night. Two bad guys, and it's the ultimate degradation. 
Under such, such circumstances, a warrior king would be seen as and viewed as defeated. It's all upside down and backwards. Totally out of sync with what we expect and what the people expect, expected. Particularly those that were there. The soldiers. The people standing by. The religious elite of the day. One of the thieves. Their taunts and tone show something of their mocking. If you are the Messiah, God's chosen one, if you are the king of the Jews, are you not the Christ? If, if, are you not? It's reminiscent of the taunts echoed in the early temptations of Jesus after his baptism. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God, put that aside and worship me, and then all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. Give it up for a moment. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple. In his baptism, a voice from heaven announced, This is my beloved Son, the one in whom I, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God proclaimed it. The world demanded that Jesus prove it. In great body body distress and weakness, Jesus showed exactly what kind of king he was, what his power and authority was. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Today I promise you will be with me in paradise. He prays forgiveness for the soldiers who crucified him, Rome. He prays for the forgiveness of the Jewish leaders who instigated his crucifixion, Israel. He prays for the crowds who demanded his death by crucifixion, the world, you, including you and me. He promises paradise to a repentant repentant thief that very day. To a very bad guy who saw in him greater and other possibilities, something more and other than what they were going through at that horrible, terrible time. I looked up the word paradise as used in this context from, what's my source? Analytical concordance. Oh, that's not strong. Strong's analytical concordance. It gives all the... Greek words and Hebrew words and their background and meaning and so forth. And this word in our text for today is used two other times in the New Testament. Three times altogether and never anywhere else. In 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul talks about being caught up into the heavens and speaks about hearing things that he cannot tell or speak of, hearing things which man may not utter. And then from the Revelation to John 2 which tells of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. And today, you will be with me in paradise. The Greek word in all three cases is the same, and it means a garden. Eden. A place of peace and contentment, yes. A place where you're free from anxieties, yes. But more important, a place where God is. That's what Eden is all about. 
place where God is. They broke commandment and were cut off from God. Our Eden, a place where God is. We break commandments and we're cut off from God. To be content and at peace and to be happy, to be fear from to be free from anxieties called called up by our own prejudices, our own anxieties and agendas. To be content and to be happy is to be with God, who gives us peace which passes surpasses all understanding. In his request to Jesus, the crucified, repentant thief is giving up all of the hatred and resentments and anger and self-centeredness, the delusions of grandeur and entitlement that had been his all of the years and had driven him in his life. And he's giving it all up to be content to be with Jesus, this crucified one, in his kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, Jesus, think on me in that time when this is all over. Bring me to you. Remember me by name and know me in your kingdom. And the promise, I tell you in truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me and God will be with us. You with God, God with you. Us with God, God with us. It costs Jesus everything to give this kind of peace. It cost the repentant thief everything to ask for that kind of peace. It cost us, you and me, all things, everything. Our very selves, as we think of ourselves as being, as we think of ourselves as having become what we intended all along, it cost us everything to ask Jesus to give us his peace, that presence of God. We give up something of self and make our confession from week to week. And some things of the peace of God come to us in the absolution. Foretaste of what will be in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine. We're on journey to paradise, folks. The journey is not easy. We know that. It's hard. It's dangerous at times. We come to dead ends and have to turn around again and go into a new and different direction. I'm going to make a bold statement now, not to be negative, but to express something of our present reality. Advent Church is not paradise. It's wonderful it is with all the good things that take place here, the wonderful things that God works through the likes of you and me, it is not paradise. It's the community of faith that we have chosen by the help of God to be where we journey together. It's the place where we common journey, if you will, are in communion, common union with each other as we journey to paradise. There are glimpses along the way of that paradise of God where God is with us and we are with God, where God tents with us, dwells with us. But there are also bumps in the road, glitches in the software, if if I may say it that way. We have our good times 
but we also have our stressful times. Times when we disagree with each other. Times when we are out of sorts with each other. Times when our right is wrong and someone else is wrong may be very right. And it's costly to give this up. Sacrificial costly. Sacrificial cost has to give, do with giving up all of self, the positive and the negative, the good and the bad, the other-centeredness and the self-centeredness, the rightness and the wrongness, giving it all up to be in the presence of God and have God in our presence. Jesus gave himself on the cross in that way, gave up all of himself, so that no matter what, He would not give up the course and leave us or move away from us. That's what sacrificial cost is between individuals and in community of faith. Giving up the all of self, the positive, the negative, the good, the bad, the other-centeredness, the self-centeredness, the right and the wrong, giving it all up so that we will not, under any circumstances, move away. That's the meaning of sacrifice. Jesus could have gotten mad and said, No way, Jose, for this kind of people, (coughs) not me. But he didn't. He paid the full price and remained on course with us and still does, no matter what. And because he stayed the course, we have a model for staying the course with each other. Individual to individual, small group to small group, family to family, community of faith to community of faith. And in the end, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit gets us there to paradise. This has been intended and planned for us all along. Until then, we have a great cloud of witnesses before us. All who have gone before us, who cheer us onward and upward. Until our day in in paradise, they cheer us on, depress on, and to persevere until the end, or rather, until the beginning. The soldiers at the cross of Jesus now know the paradise of God. And they are with God, and God is with them. The religious leaders and the watching crowds at the cross of Jesus now know the paradise of God. God is with them, and they are with God. The disciples of Jesus who were for one ran away and hid out of fear are now in the paradise of God, and God is with them, and they are with God. The mocking thief, as well as the repentant thief, now is in the paradise of God, and God is with him and them, and he and they are with God. In Advent's community of faith, more in numbers, far more in numbers than our members now have gone on to that greater glory, to that paradise of God. Regardless of their positive or negative mindsets in this time, regardless of their predispositions, regardless of their rightness or their wrongness, they are in the paradise of God and know that peace which passes all understanding.
what they were in time, we now are. What they are in God's time, we will one day be. When Jesus speaks that final word to us, I tell you in truth, today you will be with me in paradise.